Welcome back, folks. It's Chase and Josh of Factor Fantasy. That's Chase. I'm Josh, and we're here to start a brand new series here today. Without further ado, we're going to go ahead and present. We are covering the Ahsoka series on Disney+. Plus. Really excited to do this. As you guys know, all the new Star Wars stuff we try to get involved with a little bit, like the Mandalorian, like the Obi-Wan series, and this just had such good reviews, we really couldn't put it off any longer. You know, this is one of the things we want to cover while the the getting's good, so to say, while the iron's hot. We want to strike while the iron's hot, man. So we decided to cover Ahsoka here. I'll be taking us through episode one. Chase will be taking us through episode two, and we'll kind of go back and forth like that till the end and finish it out with some rankings towards towards the, the close of the series. But, dude, uh, tell me your thoughts about this, Chase, before we dive into episode one, how you, know, how you thought about it like before we even started covering it when you knew it was coming out, like the excitement, the buildup, and just the reception so far. Hell yeah, man. This one's going to be a fucking banger. I haven't been this stoked since the Obi-Wan series came out. Like, even Mandalorian is, you know, that's its own franchise where I get hyped up for it. But that's something that it's like it's, it doesn't really have, like, that old school feel. Like, this series here that we're about to dive into, I haven't had a feeling like this since I was a kid. Where it, like, connected me to the old ones. Uh, besides Obi-Wan last year, which you still kind of got a feeling of, like, maybe, like, a whole lot of time has passed. Like, this really brought me back to that old school level where I felt like when I was a kid in a fucking theater watching Darth Maul pull out, like, two fucking double lightsabers, man. Fucking awesome. I can't wait for this. This is going to be a fucking banger. A lot of people are talking about this shit right now. You know, we had to give you guys a surprise, and uh, uh, cheers, brother. I'll let you take it away. Yeah, dude, glasses in the air. Sounds like a plan. I'll uh, I'll go ahead and, and dive in here to episode one. It kind of starts off real strong, so uh, give me one second here. We'll, we'll go ahead and cheers it up, and, you know, to the old star. This, it's great, too. Like, real quick before you cheers, it's just like a good mix of uh, old school Star Wars, like you are mentioning, and some new stuff, too. Really tying in with the new technology and stuff they're able to do with CGI and, and special effects that they weren't able to do back then. And it's just really great uh, from what I've seen so far. So, yeah, man. Cheers to, cheers to the new series that we're covering. Cheers. Malice in the Chalice, man. We needed a fucking banger after those slow-ass Witcher episodes ending our fucking franchise there. So... Well, you take it away, man. Yeah, sounds good. So the episode starts out with like the words across the screen, very old school Star Wars style. It says, The evil galactic empire has fallen and a new republic has risen to take its place. However, sinister agents are already at work to undermine the fragile peace. A plot is underway to find the lost Imperial Grand Admiral Thrawn and bring him out of exile. Once presumed dead... Rumors are spreading of Thrawn's return, which would galvanize the Imperial remnants and start another war. Former Jedi Knight Ahsoka Tano captured one of Thrawn's allies and learned of a secret map, which is vital to the enemy's plan. Ahsoka now searches for the map as their prisoner, Morgan Elsbeth, is transported to the New Republic for trial. And that's kind of how the screen, like, you know, how they do with the Star Wars side. Like, the words go up the screen and they get smaller as they go away. And then from there, the scene cuts over to the prison transport ship that's carrying Morgan Elsbeth. And there, this, this captain's kind of just guiding them along, and another ship enters their path, and it has a Jedi clearance code. And the captain's name is Captain Hale, and he doesn't buy it that the fact that they're Jedi or that they have Jedi clearance codes. So he, he tells his team to, hey, let them on board. I want to meet these quote-unquote Jedi. So two people board the prison transport ship, 
and they try to pass Captain Hale to go see the prisoner, but Captain Hale stops them, and he calls them Imperial Remnant Trash that pushed their luck too far, and he tells his droid to scan them for identification, and that's when these two individuals attack. And they definitely have Jedi power here. They've got, they're able to use the Force, they've got lightsabers, it's badass. Uh, even the lead guy says, you're right about one thing, Captain, we are no Jedi. And the two cut through the guards on the ship with ease. You know, no contest, straight fatality. <laughs> Anything that's in their way, it's cut down quickly. So they finally get to the prison door on the ship. And the lead guy, his name's Balin Skull, he uses the force to open Morgan Elsbeth's prison door and releases the cuffs off of her. And Morgan Elsbeth tells Balin that a Jedi captured her and knows about Thrawn. And he asks who the Jedi is, and she tells him it's Ahsoka Tano. And that's when the title screen hits. After the title screen, the next scene opens up with Ahsoka, and she's walking around this ruined city. She comes to this little symbol in the ground, and she ends up using her lightsabers. And guys, when I say dual lightsabers, I don't mean the kind that Darth Maul has where it's attached, but she carries two singular lightsabers but uses them almost constantly at the same time. So it's hard to say her lightsaber so it's her dual lightsabers that she uses but in any event she uses her lightsabers to cut a hole in the ground and falls to the location that she's looking for and she's in this room now with hieroglyphics on the walls and these hieroglyphics look like aliens of some sort and they're holding a smallish sphere in their hands and she's able to place the pillars in the room in the proper position to unlock a secret rising pillar from the center of the room and that pillar the secret one contains a small golden sphere i even said it looks similar to a golden snitch from harry potter but just a little bit bigger did you get that feeling as well too what do you think about it yeah it definitely did this whole scene kind of gave me like a raiders of the lost ark kind of vibe to it it was sick man yeah dude i that you said the raiders lost ark i'm thinking like indiana jones style man like it was good for sure definitely gave me some of that kind of you know, Tomb Raider shit, too. Yeah, all that good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Lord Croft, baby. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. So at this point, Ahsoka calls for a droid assistant called Huyang, but the signal isn't clear. It's cutting out. There's a lot of static. So she ends, she ends up, after she grabs this, this sphere, she force jumps out of the hole she made earlier with the sabers I was telling you guys about, and a battle droid tells her to give them the map, and she looks around, and she is surrounded by five battle droids. So then, you know, it's time to see Ahsoka Tano in action for the first time on this show. And she's doing some badass maneuvers. She takes out one and cuts the other's head clean off. And the other ones that she was doing some cool shit to, she would cut holes around them, make them drop to the floor. So she took out two. The other ones are starting to climb out. And they realize that they've got no chance against her. So they enter uh, self-destruction mode. At this point, she starts running. And her droid assistant, Hu Yang, has a clear signal now. And he's able to get close enough to where she's able to force jump onto the ship as the explosion of the self-destruct from the droids essentially swallows the entire city in fire. Like, that was one of the badass self-destruct things I've ever seen. Those droids had some some sort of shit in them, but that thing was not just a regular quick explosion in the media area. That flame and smoke and fire blew across the whole damn city. That shit was dope. Uh, In any event... Uh, Yang tells her that he maintained a safe distance because that's standard Jedi protocol. And she kind of gets annoyed by it, but he can't override it. It's just his programming. And it's funny because like, she kind of gets a little bit of a snarky remark back because he asks uh, Sokotano how she was able to get the true location of the map from Morgan Elizabeth, And she said, by not using standard Jedi protocol. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty fucking funny. 
Then uh, at this point, Ahsoka Tano and Huyang land on a ship and they're greeted by General Hera Syndulla. Captain Syndulla tells her they lost her prisoner, Morgan Elizabeth, and shows Ahsoka who was responsible for that. And so they're taking a look at this and they see, you know, the two Jedi or the two, you know, quote unquote Jedi ones who pretended to be Jedi using the clearance code earlier from Captain Hale we were talking about. She sees a little bit about who they're dealing with and and they at least look like they've got Jedi training and they're probably going to be tough to deal with. Right. So Ahsoka tells Hu Yang to run a match on the lightsabers to see if they can identify who they are. And then Ahsoka tells Captain Sindul the day wasn't a total loss because she found the star map that holds the location to the last Grand Admiral Thrawn. And Hera asks if Thrawn survived, if it's possible that Ezra could have survived too. And Ahsoka does tell her it is possible. From here, Huang says that he cannot unlock the map and the key to unlock it has eluded him. And Hera tells Ahsoka that she knows someone who can help Ahsoka with it. And Ahsoka is like, yeah, I know too, but I don't know if this person is going to want to help. And Hera's like, well, she'll definitely help because she would want to do it for Ezra. So at this point, the scene cuts to this planet called Lothal, or Lothal, where they are unveiling a monument to honor Ezra Bridger and his sacrifice to help liberate the world. And the governor, his name is Governor Azadi, he goes to introduce Sabine Wren, but she doesn't show up. So he ends up having this other senator try to cover for him and just, he's like, throws him on this, like, just say something, man. Stop making me look bad. We got we to get her over here. Like, like, you, better, you better fucking start talking, bro. So I thought that shit was funny as hell. But uh, in any event, uh, he has the security team go out and try to find Sabine. So from here, the scene cuts to Sabine Wren. She's flying on what almost looks like a racing pod. Did you? Th- it was like a combination of like a racing pod and a motorcycle. What did you think about this this piece of machinery that she had? Yeah, it was like a uh, a boosted, upgraded version of like those land speeders that they rode in Return of the Jedi in a way. But it was fucking sick, man. It reminded me of like Top Gun or something with her cruising down that jetway, man. <laughs> For sure. So as I was saying. Like she's she's flying down this runway, and the security guy named uh, Captain Porter tells her that he has an order to bring her to the ceremony, and she tells him to get lost. He says he can't do that, and ends up putting his big ass ship in her way to block the runway so she can't go any further. And normally that would probably be it, and she'd have to turn around or do something. But uh, she keeps flooring the damn thing straight at him. They're starting to get real nervous about what's gonna happen here, and. They get real. They get super, super close, and she does this dope ass move where she f- like flies underneath it, kind of goes parallel to the ground, where she's not quite like she's uh, as uh, diagonal as you can get without flipping the motherfucker. So it was pretty sick to see on screen. If you guys haven't seen it? Definitely check that shit out. But she barely keeps it up, and then flies underneath it, and you know goes on her merry way. And so the security guy Porter is actually impressed, and he eventually just stops giving pursuit. He's like, "All right, fuck it, dude," and she ends up getting back to her home. And at her home, she's greeted by her loath cat named Merle. And she starts looking through some things and finds an old transmission from Ezra Bridger. It was a message that Ezra left her, and it tells her that he did what he had to do to defeat Thrawn, and that she's like a sister to him and family to him. It's so we start to see that she's got this deep emotional connection, a familial connection to Ezra Bridger, and this is going to play a, a big role in the events of this series. So big, big foreshadow moments here of their you know close relationship that they have and it's and again i you know this is something that we'll probably go into later on but the relationship that ezra and sabine have isn't like a romantic relationship because ezra is is actively involved with harrison duel like captain sandula that we were talking about earlier but you know he's presumed dead 
So from here, the scene cuts over to Balin's school and his apprentice, Sheen Hati, and Morgan Elsbeth. And we learn that Morgan Elsbeth's ancestors were the Night Sisters of Dathomir and that Morgan Elsbeth is a witch. And Balin tells them that there wasn't much at the temple that they were that Ahsoka took the map from, and that Ahsoka likely does have the map in her possession. And from there, Morgan and Balin send Shin Hati to Lethal to take out Ahsoka's former apprentice, Sabine Wren. So we now we know that Sabine Wren was Ahsoka Tano's former apprentice, and we're going to see, you know, that kind of relationship and and how that's either deteriorated or you know grown and evolved over the years. From here, the scene shifts back to Sabine, and she's asleep. She has a dream about Ezra, and it wakes her up. She realizes something strange is happening, and she goes outside, and she sees Ahsoka's ship landing at the main city in Lethal. So Ahsoka and Hu Yang are talking to Captain, or I'm sorry, Governor Asadi, and Sabine ends up showing up, and she's not, I don't want to say fully chastised by Governor Asadi, but definitely gives her a little bit of shit for missing the ceremony, and uh, in any event, Governor Azadi tells Sabine that she's going to want to hear what Ahsoka has to say. So from here, Ahsoka tells Sabine that she thinks she knows how to find Ezra if Ezra's alive, and she shows Sabine the map, which again is this golden sphere thing that looks like a bigger golden snitch. And so they all board Ahsoka's ship. Sabine asks if she thinks that Ezra is really still out there, and Ahsoka tells her it's not certain, but it's possible, and she tells Sabine where she found the map and shows her like a hologram of that temple. So as she's showing her the scan of the temple where they found the map, we learn that Ahsoka doesn't have uh, a home and that she just goes where she needed on her ship. That's her little house. It's like a tra- you know, it's like traveling the, the, the country in one of them RVs, but the RVs flying around, so she don't get uh, she don't get much rest. You know, she's always on the move. Uh, from here, they have a small back and forth, uh, like little bit of a I don't want to say an argument but definitely some contested words of you know how Sabine thinks that she should have made a good Jedi and Ahsoka agrees with her so at that point you can kind of use your intuition to tell you that like okay we learned from Balin Skull who just said that it was her former apprentice so clearly she stopped training her for some reason did not let her fully reach her potential as a Jedi in training and we'll find maybe we'll find out why in the coming episodes but that's kind of where we are here and Sabine, she wants to take the map to her place where she can think more clearly. Ahsoka tells her the dangers and how it holds the key, not to only potentially finding Ezra, but also preventing another war from bringing Thrawn back. And she's like, yeah, you don't think I know that? No shit, but like, I, I need to take this map with me so I can you know, try to unlock it. And she's like, nah, the map stays on the ship. But Sabine disobeys anyways and takes the map off the ship. <laughs> but uh, as like she ends up leaving that room, Ahsoka ends up leaving that room, Hewing's lightsaber scan is complete. He doesn't recognize the first lightsaber, but the other one, he tells Ahsoka that it belonged to Balin's skull, and that Balin uh, was an old Jedi trained at the original Jedi Temple, and he disappeared after the Clone Wars. And there's always some, like, something cool about this Balin skull guy, man. He seems very calm, collected. He doesn't seem like the typical bad guy who's just out there for power, just cutting shit down. It's just like... He just seems very thoughtful about all the shit he's trying to do. He's like, he's, like in his own thoughts and, you know... It's just, it's just weird, you know? I, I don't know what to think about this Balin Skull guy, but he definitely has got some sort of uh, uh, big role to play going forward, it's pretty clear. But Huyang hints that Ahsoka doesn't need to be alone in the coming fights. So Ahsoka goes to see Sabine and maybe give her some encouraging words in the room where she just left her. But as I mentioned earlier, Sabine dipped out and took the map with her back to her hut or house or whatever you want to call that thing. <laughs> so from there, the scene shifts to this little droid that is watching Sabine 
fly back to her hut and the camera pans over to Sheen Hati. Uh, she is now on Lethal and she now also knows the direction of Sabine's home. So now we're going to where Sabine's at and she pulls out the projector that shows her the scan of the temple that was found and she's examining the sphere. And as she's doing that, the scene shifts over to Ahsoka and she's complaining to Harrison Dula over transmission about Sabine disobeying her. And here's some cool little bit of foreshadowing. Uh, Harris says that Ahsoka knew that she was getting into when bringing Sabine on as an apprentice, given that Sabine is Mandalorian. So, now we got this whole thing of like, alright, we have a Jedi Mandalorian. I thought fucking Grogu was going to be our first Jedi Mandalorian. Well, that's not the case. Who knows how many of these <laughs> things are now. I have no idea where they're going with this, but it's fine. Anyways, and then on top of that, she also mentions that uh, she's sure that Ahsoka's master found Ahsoka challenging at times as well. And that's like a foreshadow to Anakin, because right away Ahsoka says, Anakin never got to finish my training. By the end of the Clone Wars, I walked away from him and the Jedi, just like I walked away from Sabine. And that's when it, the scene shifts back to Sabine, and she's trying to decode the map. She gives herself an idea when she sees the floor design on the projection, and she starts twisting that sphere around like a Rubik's Cube until it aligns with the floor design from the temple scan, and it ends up unlocking the map, and it shows the galaxy and pinpoints the location of where Thrawn is exiled and potentially where Ezra Bridger is. And as she figures it out, out of nowhere, two battle droids attack, and one ends up holding her while the other one takes the map and blasts all of her equipment. And she's finally able to take out the first droid that's holding her, and she pursues the other one. She gets down to the, the first floor of her hut, she grabs her lightsaber, runs outside, and she is met by Shin Hati and the droid that took the map. And Shin Hati tells her that they've been looking for the map. Sabine tells her that's too bad and activates her lightsaber. Shin Hati activates her lightsaber as well. And they are about to square off here. And at this point, Hu Yang is able to like, realize, I don't, I'm not sure if Sabine was able to call out using a transmitter or if she just called out in like the sky and he was able to hear it. I don't know. I think it might have been just like a, a, a communication transmitter. But anyways, Hu Yang tells Ahsoka that Sabine needs them and they try to speed over there to Sabine's place. Well, Sabine and Shinati have a fairly competitive lightsaber duel, a little back and forth action. But Shinhati clearly gets the better of Sabine. You can tell she's a little more tightly trained. Her movements are a little more crisp. And, and it just seems like Sabine's been out of practice for quite some time. And ends up, uh, you know, Shinhati definitely gets the better of Sabine. And ends up stabbing her through the right side of her ribs. Straight through. Like a hole through the front of her body, out through the back of her body. And she pulls the lightsaber out. And Sabine collapses on the ground and falls unconscious. And as she's laying there on the ground... Ahsoka's ship arrives, and we see Sabine lying on the ground, and that's how the episode ends. It's like a fucking banger of a first episode, way to kick it off, a lightsaber duel with a potential death of one of its main characters. You don't know what happened, that's just how it ends? That's fucking sick. So, any event, man, I've been going through this whole quick recap. I'll go ahead and turn the floor over to you, Chase, to give us a little bit of your uh, thoughts and takeaways on, on episode one here. Bro, it's fucking sick. That Sheena T reminded me of, like... Aegon and House of the Dragon if he was given like a dark saber <laughs> like a fucking Sith saber man she uh looked at something about like these villains they come up with they're just so fucking good like she looked fucking menacing and uh you know the whole idea of Sabine it was really cool because 
you know, yeah, we knew she had some sort of background and that stuff, but you didn't expect her to really pull out a lightsaber in that particular moment. So that was fucking awesome. She kind of reminds me of someone that's kind of gone rogue her un- her own way just because of some of her past trials and and that sort of thing. But no, it was really well put together. I mean, you know, it, it really kept you on your toes from beginning to end. I mean, the writing was really well. And I love the way how we're introducing some of these characters that are coming into play. And it brings up a lot of questions. And I'll say... Um, those uh who's the uh sith uh, i guess he i don't know if he's a sith lord i guess they can't be called sith lords right because you gotta be don't you have to be a certain level to be a sith lord like i know dooku was a sith lord but that's a good question i have like i guess i know they're like shinati and what's his name haney or something balen skull Oh, okay. I'm talking about the big guy with the beard. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Balin Skull. Skull. Like, man, I was Samsonite. I was way off today. Anyways, but point being, <laughs> for the comment I'm about to make, I guess they are they Sith lords or just Sith? Like, don't you have to be a certain level to be a Sith lord? I think they're. I don't think they're Sith. I think they're something different. I think they're like. I think Balin Skull is just a Jedi who left the order and has been pursuing something else instead of like trying to i i don't want to say like i think there's sith qualities and it's similar but i just don't i don't view him as a, a sith like i don't think his purpose is to you know take down the jedi or rule the galaxy it's it just i think that he left the order and, and obviously ended up you know, almost as a mercenary. I think he's kind of more of a, a hired mercenary because that's remember when he unlocked Morgan Elsbeth from the prison chamber and she's like, "Oh, you you got uh, you're a man of your word." He's like, "Yeah, I get paid well for it." So it's like he's getting he he gets paid to to do these kind of shit. He's almost like the Mandalorian, but like more evil <laughs> and more powerful, I guess I can say. But it does have very big Sith vibes. Like there's always a master and apprentice, just kind of like the Jedi, but in reverse, like the the dark side of it. So I don't know if it's it, this has something. I don't think necessarily it's a, a dark side. To, like he's like a Jedi one over the dark side, so to speak. I just think he's more like a mercenary uh, off after his own goals uh, that we just don't know about yet. And he found someone that he was training and, and wants to continue on the work that that he's doing, and that's his apprentice. So while I think that it's very similar to a Sith Lord and his apprentice, I don't think that is necessarily the case. I think there's some nuances to this, but. I could be wrong. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, but my point being is it fucking started off on a banger. Like I did not expect two guys to come in there, two people, I would say, and them to have power like that. Like I did not expect that to happen. Um, so it was just fucking awesome from beginning to end. I really want to learn a lot more about Sabine's character and what her background is and how she got her training and how that happened uh but it was awesome man the writing was good the questions that it brought up were great the transitions were great introducing new characters um and it kept you on your toes and it was a fucking awesome opening episode what about your takeaways i thought yeah it was really good you know i had a good amount of action to it it started off pretty strong. They came on board, started taking people down right away. We hear about this Grand Admiral Thrawn that is supposed to be this big bad that somehow 
didn't die in the war and we're going to figure out who this guy is and a little bit more about him but then we have this map so you got the 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 mental side of stuff the, the intelligence side of trying to decode shit and then you got the challenging relationship between Sabine and Ahsoka where it's former master and former apprentice but Ahsoka didn't finish her training and we're going to figure out why that is and so they got a little bit of a, a rift between them but because of that you know Sabine's kind of caught like a fish out of water at her hut and ends up fighting someone who is well trained who like consistently is trained and ends up getting the lightsaber through the chest man like but right through the day of ribs underneath the right side of her ribs like and the fact that they just left us on that that hanger of her laying there after taking like not many people are going to take a, a lightsaber through the body and, and live to tell the tale so we're gonna see what happens here but regardless it it was just a really engaging first episode and on top of it, they all bring a little bit of stuff like the loath cat that's a big uh, like stretch back to the original star wars stuff uh the, the racer pod that you were talking about it's kind of like a land cruiser but a little like souped up motorcycle crotch rocket style and just a lot of cool things that we got to see and we're getting to hear about this other jedi who's who's like fabled in some of the star wars lore ezra bridger we don't really know much about him he's mentioned a couple of times apparently he did something to help them get rid of thrawn and maybe sacrifice himself to do it and we'll learn more about that too but man does it for a first episode it kept your attention kept you wanting to stay around and like watching it more and and really it had a lot of uh just and i've saw just the action it, it had a lot of like substance to it of like dang there's a lot of unique challenging relationship the drama is unfolding we got captain sindula who's got a relationship with ezra bridger we got speed ren who's got this conflict with Ahsoka, but they are also kind of supposed to be teammates here. And then, you know, obviously Sabine is upset about what happened with Ezra as well and wants to get be part of helping fix that if it's possible if he's still alive. And then you got the the, the bad guys are Balin Skull and this uh, Shinati, and we don't know what what their whole thing is, but they seem to work together really well. And then you got Morgan Elizabeth, who's a fucking witch. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like there's just so much going on, but not in a weird no direction way. The way like the you know the eternals was you know what i mean where you followed like, all these things and you just didn't know what was going on like no it was pretty solid you know we you followed the first two guy people there to they're they're there to get morgan elizabeth because she can lead them to where they want to go morgan elizabeth just happens to be a witch and has some power and ahsoka just needs ends up needing some help that she's not able to do she's a good warrior and she's great in the skill of arms but you know when it comes to decoding stuff she needs help and that's one of sabine's you know, uh, strength, so she's got to go <laughs> repair a relationship with her former apprentice who she walked away from, and how that's going to work. And we got this droid, Hu Yang, who used to be part of the Jedi Temple, the original one, and trained a lot of these Jedis. And so it's just, a lot of things kind of, like, flow nicely, and there's a there's a direction to it, and it makes sense, where, you know, a lot of stuff we've been covering recently just, just like, leaves us with more questions and answers. So, you know, for the first episode, it was definitely the way to start it, and definitely the way to keep you engaged i don't think anyone watched that first episode and was like dude this is shit i'm not i'm not continuing on with this you know what i mean i think i think they did what they needed to do with episode one yeah it was awesome man um do you want me to go ahead and kick off the debates for the day yeah dude absolutely my debate for the day and this might be kind of a little bit out of left field not really but mentioning morgan and then the dark sisters here they're called the dark sisters right the witches yeah yep i think it's like the yeah. dark the dark sisters of dathomir I think yeah that's dark sisters of dathomir i think yeah um my question is since they were kind of brought in towards the end of this episode 
What do you think their role is going to be in the future? And how do you think, like, do you think they're kind of more like this whole situation we have uh, with, is it Balin Skull? Is that how I say his name? Yeah, Balin Skull. And it's not Dark Sisters, it's Night Sisters, but basically the same shit. Night Sisters. Yeah, Night Sisters with Dathomir. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, the the role, I don't necessarily know what kind of role they're going to play. I, I think that maybe since the, Morgan Elizabeth mentioned that they were her ancestors, maybe it's kind of going to be some sort of force type thing. You know how, uh, like, when sometimes, like for example, Obi-Wan and Obi-Wan series got to see Qui-Gon Jinn at the end. He comes to him in some, uh, like, force form, you know, like go almost like a transmission, but like from the other plane, maybe it's something like that, but on the bad side, or maybe they are in a different spot. Like maybe they're able to communicate through space and time to her in a way. And I don't know, potentially maybe like she'll get some sort of powers or abilities or unlock her full potential as a witch. Maybe she's got some ability and power, but it's not like fully realized and the potential is not fully unlocked. And maybe we'll get like a super bad version of Morgan Elizabeth, like you know, because obviously what she is now wasn't enough because Ahsoka Tano captured her and she was a prisoner on the ship and she was supposed to be going to damn trial until Valen Skull and and Shinati got on that ship and said, "Here you go, uh, we got paid to set you free." So you know, so, um, <laughs> yeah, man, I don't, I don't necessarily know what role it's going to play out. I would say more than anything, it'd probably just be like a, an assistant role to either give or help Morgan Elizabeth find greater power, or maybe they are something, an entity that is going to assist them in bringing this General Grand Admiral Thrawn back. So I think there's a, there's a couple different avenues you could go. I could see it going multiple ways, and I can actually see them being a combination of a few of those ways too. Maybe they do both, you know? Uh, I, that's, that's what I think about it. I don't know. Did you have a difference of opinion? Like, what do you think about it? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I guess I could see them kind of more taking, I mean, interesting, like talking about Valon Skull and how we talked about him kind of being more of like for his own right, like I guess you can say for the greater good, right? Whatever he wants to do. I think that's kind of the way I view them at this point. Like they're just going to kind of go their own way. They're not really going to pick a side, but whatever they choose to side with, I think they could definitely... um, bring in supernatural elements to it that no one thought of and definitely find a way to shake things up. That's wondering kind of what I'm wondering in this star Wars universe. Now, are we starting to bring in more of supernatural elements now? Like before, usually, you know, if you revert back to the original star Wars, like it was kind of just strictly, you know, you have the spaceships, you had the guns, you had the force, but it wasn't really used as much supernaturally. It was more like, yeah, you can control minds. Like, you know, <laughs> what's the famous Obi-Wan phrase? Like, these droids aren't here anymore. <laughs> like, you had a few things like that. But it wasn't to the point of, like, we're reviving people and shit. But at the same time, we did hear about that a little bit in the early episode 1, 2, and 3. When we know Anakin, uh, that was kind of what turned him to more of the dark side was he wanted to get his mother back so do you think these dark sisters so my opinion on that answer that answer to my own debate is 
I think they're kind of neutrality, but I think people are going to be able to use them to their benefit, and that's where it's going to really shake things up is because people are going to try to get on their side or people are going to go against them, and then they might have their own opinion on things, and they really could just shake things up. Uh, but do you think we're bringing in more of a supernatural element now to the Star Wars franchise where they might play a major role in the Star Wars franchise overall in the future? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they're like a if they're just more of a side sort of deal. I'm not even positive that they're they're going to play a big role in, in this series at all. I think it's probably more focused around Morgan Elizabeth herself. Uh, like, but again, we can see how that we'll see how that plays out down the road. But I just I'm not sure. I don't know. Unless they end up, the thing is, there's so many spinoffs. It's like, when do the spinoffs stop? Because like, if you're gonna right. do that at that point, you're gonna have like the Night Sisters spinoff series and just show how they came to power, <laughs> how they originated, what they do, what their abilities are. I don't know. So I just I don't I don't think that they're out to really assist a lot of people and, and there for people to just utilize to gain power from. I think they pick and choose uh, choose like because they're witches so they're able to have they have some sort of natural supernatural ability so maybe they pick and choose the ideas that make sense to them in their own supernatural head and they assist their power they lend their powers to those who they feel uh could use it to get those and have those ends met i guess i could say but at the end of the day in terms of do I feel they're bringing a, more of a supernatural element to it? Well, I just don't know. I feel like they've been doing it since the beginning. I mean, every time I turn around, there's a new Star Wars creature. I'm watching the New Hope. You're watching like the Revenge, <laughs> you know, like the um, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. Every every single one, there's a new creature somewhere. There's a new alien. There's someone that looks different from before. And I don't know what all these people's abilities are and stuff. I'm assuming everyone's got their own specialties. And obviously, it's more that those original trilogy is more focused on the Jedi. And even the prequels, it's the Jedi and the Sith. And I, you know, maybe this is we're starting to really start. Obviously, we are with the whole Man- Mandalorian situation going on. That really kind of kicked the door open of other things going on. I thought that was really cool to do uh, to give us a perspective of different characters other than Jedi. And on top of that, you have now this uh, this Ahsoka series that is introducing other parts of, of Star Wars lore that we don't really know about. And I will say, I think that Dave Filoni and John Favreau do a great job of, of combining a little bit of past works and current stuff and, and tying it together pretty well for the most part. So it's, do I, I don't know if it's just necessarily they're going out of their way to bring like supernatural components in it. I mean, the whole thing is supernatural. It's it's, it's space wars. <laughs> like it's like a western. And, <laughs> like this whole damn movie is a western in space with lightsabers instead of guns, right? And even some of them have guns. You know, like the blasters, right. and you know. It's, so I I think that it's just more of a natural progression of well, we gotta since we're we don't want to. I think they're doing a, a good job of not making the old tropes go stale. Of all right, we got. Jedi that I gotta overcome other people that fight like them, <laughs> you know. And that's what we've done the whole damn like, the original trilogy and the the sequels. I'm sorry, the prequels and even a little bit the sequels. Honestly, with Kylo Ren, like yeah, if he he ended up <laughs> coming over to quote unquote the good side, and there was a little bit of a you know, and I don't want to say plot, but it was pretty fucking predictable. But regardless, there is an aspect to it that 
you know, they didn't have to just defeat in combat the bad guy. You know, there was more to it. The, the choosing the loyalty is choosing the right way eventually instead of Anakin choosing the wrong way, kind of writing that wrong in a sense. So, but really the, the standing theme has always been good guy fights bad guy. Very, very tough struggle over a couple movies. Good guy comes out on top. So it's, it's kind of cool to see instead of all the same sort of deal of Jedi trying to fight big villains, other, other types of, you know, creatures and, and characters that play a big role that have abilities that are just a little bit different. So maybe these witches can put on a, uh, a real different type of struggle for the, the Jedi that we haven't seen before. And that could be interesting and intriguing for us to watch, you know, who knows what their abilities are, you know, are they, are they full bone witches and they can do all sorts of stuff kind of, you know, like mind control or whatever, it, you know, it's like an energy blast, create shit out of nothing. Who knows? But I think this is it's definitely something intriguing. I don't think it's going to be a focal point in this series, but I wouldn't I wouldn't be upset if they explored more into it later on. I guess I can I can close out with that on on how I feel about the uh, the introduction of the Night Sisters to this Ahsoka series and to the Star Wars universe as a whole. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think it could be very interesting, but. I think you're kind of taking, um, you're definitely taking a lot of liberties, but it, it is interesting to think of kind of stepping outside of the normal pattern of good guy versus bad guy. Like we've always said with the franchises we cover, what's so great is you always have a villain that has more than just an interest than just of, oh, I'm a bad guy, so I want to do bad things. And I think that's, you know, that's what's really cool is they are bringing these uh, definitely supernatural elements, but types of characters that you don't think about that would be possibly either neutral or villains or possibly even, you know, on the protagonist side. You never know. Um, last question, I'll turn it over to you. Uh, Balan Skull, do you think he's really going to wind up fucking shit up for everyone? And do you think anyone can actually trust him, whether it's on the good side, bad side, neutral side? Is he a trustworthy person, do you think? I think he's got his own agenda. That's what I think. Uh, I think he's going to use people to the ends that he needs them, and then he's going to do what he feels he needs to do. I don't, I don't think that anyone is going to control him or, you know, I, I think he's, he gives me very much the, the Din Djarin vibes of the bad side it just kind of goes out on his own and just kind of does his own thing, but will work with people when necessary. I just don't think it's, it's like Darth Maul and Darth Sidious where anything Darth Sidious said, Darth Maul just blindly followed. And, you know, I don't think it's anything like that. I think it's more, He's using people and working together to maybe produce his desired outcomes in a lot of ways. That's the way I see it. I just, and it's not that, because here's the thing. I don't think he's really, it's hard because you say, like, is he someone that people can trust? I don't necessarily think that anyone trusts anyone. I think that in this time of war everyone's wary about everyone and has their own plans and I, so I don't 
I don't think you know Morgan Elsbeth is counting on Balen Skull to to do all of her bidding or you know do this and this and that. I, I think that they're going to work together for a common goal, and then he's going to uh, kind of go on to his grand like plan and greater schemes. I think that is kind of more the vibe I get from him than anything. I don't know. What do you think? I could definitely see that. I mean, honestly, my opinion on him right now, because I've only seen so much of him, is just he's someone I wouldn't fuck with. Like, being straight up real, like, that motherfucker looked like Buff Bagwell walking through whatever the fuck that space station was. That was fucking crazy. He was, you know, throwing people to the side, stabbing people with lightsabers. So, honestly, my direct opinion on him, because I haven't seen a whole lot yet to really decide whether or not he's trustworthy, I don't feel like he has to really be a trustworthy person (laughs) at all, because I feel like besides Anakin Skywalker or someone at that level, like anyone at this level right now, like I'd be curious to see him like go toe-to-toe with Ahsoka, like see who would hold up strong. So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how far... Uh, he could go on that level, but based on, and keep in mind, you know, who we saw him go up against, it wasn't like it was anyone really of supreme ranking or anything, but it really makes me wonder like how fucking far his still goes, his skill goes. But my personal opinion right now, based on what I've seen him, I don't feel like he has to be a trustworthy person. So I'm going to say he's not trustworthy because... Well, I mean, I mean, really, I don't feel like anyone can go to toe-to-toe with him, really, at this point. Like, maybe, like, Ahsoka or someone like that, but especially out of the fucking, you know, the little, like, even go to the Obi-Wan sisters, uh, Obi-Wan <laughs> series, the sisters there. I don't feel like any of them could have gone toe-to-toe with this motherfucker. Like, I feel like it would have to be someone that definitely knew their shit to go toe-to-toe, and it definitely wouldn't have been easy, like, trying to fight his ass either so i uh, yeah i think i kind of agree with you i guess he is like kind of a din Djarin, but i want to see what really makes him tick like what drives this motherfucker to the edge that's what i would love to see but what's your debate for today jay nelly yeah my debate is like it has to do a little bit about the last battle that we saw in the episode with, with shnati and sabine wren do at what point do we kind of have some sort of blame to give Ahsoka for not completing Sabine Wren's training? She did what she could with what she had, but she has been practicing. She has been doing this because she was abandoned by this damn girl. Ahsoka just kind of left her to the wayside. We'll probably find out the reasons why in a few episodes or so. But, you know, you have this... Well, You, you saw... Like, Ahsoka Tano saw straight up on the projector screen from Hera Syndulla these two individuals and what they were able to do to a ship and how they broke uh, Morgan Ellsworth out. You don't think that maybe that's not, you, maybe we don't, it's not that she left her alone because she ended up leaving on her own accord and stole the map and we took it back to her place. But like, you don't think that it might have been a little bit more imperative to immediately, once you found the, the, the map was gone, to immediately follow her and not give her that space. You know who's after it. And you know this guy, I mean, obviously you don't know who Balin Skull is, but if he was in the original Order of the Jedi Temple from way back, he's got to have some sort of fucking ability to stay alive this long and be in a position of power. I mean, if you think, if you saw his apprentice and saw that what she's able to do, like, 
yeah, dude, you know these people are after her, so what the hell are you doing? You're like, I don't know, dude. All I know is that Sabine was just not ready for this kind of test. I don't think she's ever faced this kind of opposition before, and she fucking caught a lightsaber through the body for it. Yeah, she almost died because Ahsoka didn't didn't do what she needed to do. So I guess my, my actual debate is, do we do we put a level of culpability on Ahsoka for like for this map, like who, whose real fault is it that that the bad guys got the map in the end here at the end of this episode? Is it Sabine because she disobeyed orders and went off the ship? Is it Ahsoka because she decided, all right, well you know what, I'll just give her that space because this, that, and the third. Like Ahsoka should be smarter than that. She saw who was after it, and I don't know, man. I guess I guess my debate in the question is, is is who do we hold most responsible? for the loss of the map without retaining the coordinates and, and getting the information they need. That's actually a tough one because if you want to answer it directly non-related to the map, you can fucking say Anakin because he's the one that fucked this whole shit up because even Obi-Wan didn't give up on Anakin after he was fucking choking fucking people on Mustafar and chopping up little halflings and shit. Even Obi-Wan was like, well, then you are lost. <laughs> but uh, fucking Ahsoka and her apprentice, she just got pissed off at the situation and said, fuck it, I'm done. We're done. <laughs> We're done here. <laughs> so, but I don't know, man. Like, uh, that's tough because, I mean, I understand you got a lot going on. And, yeah, you could stay the course, right like you could stay the course and do everything you're supposed to do technically you can even blame sabine a little bit because she could have kind of reached out to somebody i mean of course she's not going to have the same level of training this is all on ahsoka though in my opinion because even though you have like a really bad situation go bad and i'm trying to put myself in her shoes here like we always do character perspective on the show I mean, I don't know, clearly, <laughs> like, the world fell to shit. Like, that's, like, the world fell to shit. Like, your own master turned to the dark side and is, like, cutting people down where you're like, fuck, like, I don't want to influence this Sabine person that way, so maybe I got to judge my own character a bit. But in the end, I still think, even as, like, almost like seeing her from, like, an older sister perspective that you would have thought that she would have saw her as at that time training her, right? Um, like, even, let's compare to Obi-Wan to Anakin. Obi-Wan always saw Anakin as, like, a little brother. So, granted, I don't know their exact relationship at this point, so I can't sit here and judge that, but I would say you would think training someone, you would at least be close to that person. So I think it's still on Ahsoka for just dropping everything and just abandoning fucking everything. Like, you can give this girl some sort of direction. Even if you can't do it because you have higher priorities, you don't just leave this girl to go... I mean, that's why she went rebel, basically. That's why she went, you know, uh, you know, AWOL. <laughs> like, she's over there driving land speeders, not showing up at ceremonies because she doesn't trust anybody. So, I mean, it makes sense. She clearly has trust issues. But I give Sabine credit because, yeah, we knew she had some sort of background. But she still held her own for being out of training for that long. Like, I mean, there was no contest, really. But, I mean, for her to just pull out a lightsaber and at least be prepared on that end. And then sort of go toe-to-toe with, you know, Aegon II (laughs) that came in. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's kind of what she. Uh, what was her name? Shinita? Shinita or something? Shinhati. Uh, Shinhati. Okay. That's what Shinhati reminded me of was Aegon the <laughs> Second. That's just. Uh, but. I will say I got to give Sabine credit because I thought she held her own for what she could. I mean, anyone else that had just been pretty much abandoned that wasn't practicing anything wouldn't got would have gotten pretty much owned immediately. So I blame this all on Ahsoka because in the end, if you revert back to Obi-Wan, even when the world is going to shit with Obi-Wan and Anakin and halflings were being, you know, discovered and then you had the Jedi Temple that was basically destroyed with a massacre. And then you had the whole Clone Wars going to shit. Obi-Wan flew all the way out to fucking Mustafar while his apprentice was fucking up the world. And that was his responsibility. And Obi-Wan still didn't abandon him. Even to the Obi-Wan series that we covered last year, he finally said, well, then my friend is lost. And never even gave up on him. And Ahsoka's just over here flying off, pulling Raiders of the Lost Ark shit, where her friend's over there having to fend for herself. Fuck Ahsoka, man. This is on her. This is all Ahsoka's fault. Back to you, Jay Nelly. I, I pretty much agree with you for the most part. I, I mean, if you look at it at a base level, yeah, if Sabine just stayed on the ship and didn't take that map over to her place... Yeah, probably would have uh, would have been fine and didn't wouldn't have had that battle. But at the same rate, who knows if she would have had the mental capacity with being in that room with all that negative energy and that the, that elephant in the room between her and Ahsoka that uh, that their relationship wasn't wasn't right. To maybe she would never have solved the map. Maybe she couldn't have solved it on the ship. But maybe like in the peace of her own area and be able to kind of really that, that maybe that's the, the key. That's how she was able to find the key to unlocking this map. So it's hard to say, well, if you just stayed on the ship, you, everything would have been fine, because who knows if she would have figured it out. So, you know, that that's a piece of it. So really, honestly, what we really should have done here is, it's so good to be like, all right, I'm going to fly you over to your little hut, you're going to get off this ship, and you're going to figure it out on your own, I'll stay on my ship, I'm going to be in your front yard, so... I'm making sure you figure this out because I know there's people after this. Like she's smart enough to know that there's people after actively pursuing this this item, you know. So I just there she just didn't really think it through. She was sitting there complaining to Captain Sindula about how you know she's a challenging apprentice. You know that's why she had to stop training her because she was afraid of what she could become because she's very hard headed and she's Mandalorian and all this all this boohooing that Ahsoka's doing about <laughs> about you know why she ended up leaving and leaving Sabine behind. She could have just been sitting there in the front yard at least giving some level of protection. You know what I mean? Remember those old school days? You know where the uh, where people left their dog. They had their big dogs outside in, in the fence around the house, and you know it said beware of the dogs. He knew you not to enter that place with any bad intentions, because that dog right there, and he's either gonna let you know someone's going, or he's gonna take care of it himself. Well, that could have been Ahsoka if she just stayed right in front of the yard, and all of a sudden when uh, Sheen Hati decided to show up, and Ahsoka's like, "Well, now you got now you know who you're fighting." <laughs> All right, <laughs> like, like, <laughs> now the, you know who you're like, fighting for sure. Like that, <laughs> at that point, I don't think we would have much of a problem because I'm not. I don't think Sheen Hati has can really hold a candle to Ahsoka. You know, she's only uh, an apprentice herself. So, you know, I think uh, there's a lot of ways you can go about this. But at the end of the day, I think the full culpability lies at Ahsoka's feet for the fact that number one. She didn't train her to fully to begin with. If she had completed her duty 
as a Jedi like master to teach a, a, an apprentice, which is your obligation, you know, that you are supposed to do that. that is, you know, you made the commitment to do it, and then you just gave up halfway through. If you had already, like, if you just completed your assignment that you signed up for, even Captain Harris said you knew what you signed up for, at that point, she would have been fully trained and probably fully capable of maybe not killing the other apprentice, but at least, like, warding her off to where she needed to go get Daddy Skull to help out, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, there's just so many ways this could have gone, but nope. She's like, I, I'll see you later, Sabine. Won't talk to you for 20 years or so, and, you know, hopefully uh, you don't have any problems. Hopefully the, the, the little motions of the sword I taught you will, will keep up for years on end, and you don't ever have to worry about it. Because then what happens is exactly what happens. She goes against someone who's fully trained, and she gets stabbed to the body and almost dies, if not dies. You know, because like I said, at the end of this episode, you're not sure if she dies or not. She's just laying there unconscious. So, yeah, I 100% agree that we're going to put the blame on Ahsoka Tano because she just gave up and decided the path was too hard. And you, I think you made a great comparison to no matter how hard the path got for Obi-Wan, he made sure he, he gave Anakin every single opportunity to do the right thing. Every single possible opportunity to do the right thing. And Ahsoka, like, the first sign of trouble, Ahsoka's like, ah, yeah, you know what? I'm actually going to dip, but it's been really cool. Peace. Like, you know what I mean? So, I don't know. That, that's how I feel about it. What are, you, what are your thoughts? Bro, she was on the fucking planet. Like, you're acting like, like, like people are acting like life is so fucking hard for her. She was in the area. Like, you, like, you literally just said, like, here you go. Lock your doors, man. Yeah, she fucked. <laughs> She got, she said, she handed it to her. She was like, she was like sitting there as Sabine showed up and she's like, yeah, fuck this. I'm just going to be pouty during this meeting. It was like, well, you know, in her head, Ahsoka was thinking, well, I came here to like kind of help you out, but you know what? Fuck you, man. Lock your doors. <laughs> Lock your doors. You so fucked. You know, she got back on that fucking spaceship. She's like, oh, she fucked now. <laughs> Oh, you don't, you don't fuck now. <laughs> That's even part of my problem too. Is is one thing that we saw that Sabine, at least I don't know if she knows how or just was never trained. She used none of the force at all. And if she had any force training whatsoever, she could at least got out of the grasp of the first droid that held her back while the other one grabbed the map with no con. Like, no one opposed the second droid. The second droid walked in, grabbed the map, and just shot up the place. And he's like, all right, I'll see you. While this poor girl just getting, like, held by robot arms, if she had any sort of force ability or was taught how to use the force, she could have easily, like, got out of that, stopped that droid from taking it, maybe been more competitive in that fight with, with Sheen Hati, if not, you know, dueled to a standstill, even if you're not as technically skilled if you have at least some force ability it at least puts you on a better playing field but no she didn't even know how to do that because Ahsoka left her ass said no you're not learning that I hope the sword fighting is good enough for you <laughs> but dude it was uh, yeah I, I think that uh, the map being gone is 100% Ahsoka's fault I don't want to beat a dead horse here but do you realize she didn't even say may the force be with you? She just said you fuck now. <laughs> you know you won't apologize. She was like apologize. <laughs> and there was no apologize. Savine wasn't showing up, shaking hands. She was all pissy. So Ahsoka said, "All right, well, I guess you're about to about to meet some baddies at your door. I hope you hope you're ready for the purge. <laughs> and like, you and Kitty lock your doors." the purge is coming <laughs> like, 
What I will say is that, yeah, Sabine did make the decision to take the map and go off on her own. So she does have a little bit of responsibility on her end. But if the map was so important, the first thing you should have done when you realized that she wasn't there is fucking follow her ass. She's got a land cruiser bike speeder. You've got a fucking spaceship. You could have gotten to her house in 10 seconds. You have a, <laughs> you have a whole ass spaceship that goes into hyperdrive and shit, dude. Like, you telling me you couldn't have got to that hut faster than you did? No, your ass didn't care because you were all pouty because she made you feel bad for leaving her, which she should have because you left her. <laughs> so, dude, so when you get there, I want to hear, I want to get no fucking tears from Ahsoka when she walks out and sees Sabine laying on the ground there because it's all your fault. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I'll leave it at this. She said, may your locked doors be with you. May the locked doors be with you. <laughs> she said nothing about the force. She didn't even say, do you remember how to use it? <laughs> I don't think she ever taught her. Coming for I don't you. think she ever taught her how to use it. I don't think, she, I think that was like the force. She stopped the lesson. She's like, all right, we're, we're done here. I'm not teaching you the force. So sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, that, I agree with you 100%. I just, it was absolutely shocking to me that she was on the same fucking planet and just like, no thought. Like, <laughs> no thought. Like, this has been such an important motion for her. And like, nothing even crossed her mind. <laughs> no, like, you're a trained fucking Jedi. Like, arguably, arguably right now, like in this like timeline. I would say Ahsoka is, like, the most intellectual... You might even argue, like, one of the most powerful Jedi right now. And, like, that doesn't even cross your mind. <laughs> like, does, like you put so much emphasis on this. And it's just like, all right, fuck it. I, I'm pissed. <laughs> I'm going back to my fucking spaceship. I'm out. And, like, another so. point to that, too, as well, is... You know how people can sense disturbances in the Force? Like, you're supposed to be super in tune with this. You were trained by the, the Jedi with the highest Metaclorian count that ever existed. And you couldn't sense that the bad guys <laughs> had arrived on the planet ready to, like, you didn't sense that disturbance in the Force that they were ready to go and, and go to battle and take that map by any means necessary? Like, that, you didn't get that feeling? No spider senses were tingling? Nothing? Nothing at all, huh? It's ridiculous, dude. So, I don't know, man. Ahsoka kind of let me down here in, the, in, this, in this moment. She literally said, oh, she probably did. I bet she did. She was just like, sink or swim. <laughs> I hope you remember what I taught you. <laughs> oh, you're going to be wishing I was there now, won't you? <laughs> you won't be, ta you won't yeah, be taking man. no maps off no ships anytime soon now, are you? <laughs> I am not coming off this fucking spaceship to help your ass until you apologize. Now, let me hear you say it. <laughs> apologize. <laughs> Crazy, man. With that, I'll let you close this out. Yeah, it sounds like a plan, but guys, this is a really fun episode, and this is a really fun series to watch. So if you haven't watched it, tune into it, and thank you for tuning in to us here today. If it was your very first time, thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed what you heard. If you've been with us since the beginning, thank you for continuously being the shields that guard the realms of fantasy. In terms of where you can find us online and on all the social sites, we're on Instagram at official ridiculous patronus we're on tiktok at ridiculous patronus we have a backup instagram at fact underscore or underscore fantasy we have a backup tiktok at fact underscore or underscore fantasy facebook fan page chase and josh factor fantasy we're on youtube at ridiculous patronus we have our own website ridiculous patronus.blogspot.com we're on twitter at rp factor fantasy snapchat rp factor fantasy so go over there click subscribe like 
follow along to our content leave us reviews leave us star ratings all of the audience engagement is super important to see at the show we really look forward to that and in terms of the podcast itself if you're an apple user you can find us on apple podcast if you're an android user you can find us on google play or on spotify or on iHeartRadio, radio on audible amazon music stitcher acast or host site podbean anywhere you get your podcasts chase and josh factor fantasy are there but we are out for the day this has been another ridiculous production chase and josh Factor Fantasy. Signing Signing off. off.